the podcast this is. Wow. We are back. And so is the Bad Batch with season three. Welcome everyone to our first ever official after show. This is episode two of a podcast this is. And this is the season premiere of Bad Batch season three. And wow, what an incredible start to the season with three episodes, confined paths unknown and shadows of Tantus. Join me today, my co-host, your host, and the one we love the most, Josh. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ryan, thanks for having me, man. So good to be back on air with you, brother. And welcome to our official first after show, which this podcast is actually created for. And what an incredible season to kick it off with. My word, Ryan, we have a lot to discuss. It's It's been such an incredible start. I'm excited to see or to hear at least what your thoughts are on the first three episodes of Bad Batch Season 3. It's it's really awesome in my mind. I've got a lot that I want to share. Uh, let's, let's kick it off. Let's get into it, man. So just for some background for some listeners, uh, if you're listening in the future or you're listening now and you're not really keeping up with Star Wars, it's February 2024. And um, Bad Batch Season 3 has just released with three premiere episodes, which is pretty cool. I think for the last two seasons, they only released two episodes for the first week if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. season will have 15 episodes in total so we have a few more weeks of bad batch to go which is fantastic and um this off the bat i'm good i'm just gonna you know kick off you know right into our initial thoughts this is some of the best star wars that we've seen under 100%. the disney franchise so far and uh i think it's an incredible start to the final season and considering the the journey that we've gone through these characters over two long seasons prior we are off to a very hot start and i think a lot of fans will be happy i agree man we've had some incredible times past from past series past seasons of shows especially focused on the clones which the bad batch also revolves around i think that these first three episodes have been like incredible just incredible to see that star wars is is back at making quality content we've seen some really good stuff in the these three episodes and sure can't really say much more except that they were awesome i think um you know, something that really stood out to me from you know these episodes was the the score and the music mm. was mm. absolutely incredible especially from you know the first episode it had like such suspense throughout that entire episode that it felt like yeah. It felt like a movie, not really like a cartoon it did. series. It did. And uh, it did. It felt like it was matured, you know? <laughs> it felt like it was it was rich. It was rich in quality, rich in content, rich in visual art, rich in, in um, audio art as well. It was a stunner of three episodes, man. But to be open a season like that, wow. I'm expected for great things to come. And I think I think definitely the stakes have never been higher as well. I think the first mm-hmm. two seasons we you know, we really got to know the characters, and now they're in their their toughest position that they've ever been exactly. in. Exactly. And yep. um, so it is. I'm I'm all hundred percent a go for this for this season, and to see what happens. Uh, and yeah, we are here with you, listeners, for the ride. We are all on this journey together, discovering the next chapters of Star Wars. Um, yes, we are. But yeah, I'm going to say um, it felt so long for the amount of time that it was because like you really got to fly. I mean, you know, you got to feel like you were trapped with Omega, like, mm. you know, within, you know, that episode. And she was just practically reliving the same day over and over again. That dripping tap scene 
that's pretty yeah. much been replaying in my mind since I watched the episode. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she's also just an amazing character for me personally. You know, initially, I, I think agree. a lot of people were skeptical of having like a kid on a show, you know, like this mm. to almost like dumb it down. But she's been incredible. Um, and I think I think she brings a lot of heart to the group as well and a lot of meaning mm. to what the Bad Batch as a group does and stands for. So yes. um, I loved every single lab scene. Yeah, it episode. was incredible. I love that, uh, uh, starting with the visual side, I think that the visuals were awesome. I think that every time the directors moved back to previously, like you mentioned, the dripping tap, it was almost a reminder that uh, Omega is confined, you are confined as the viewer, the story is confined to the base on Mount Tantus. Um, uh, just naming the episode, that was, was quite a good um uh, move, I think, from the directors just trying to incorporate the confinement, and then the way that they they explained the story was really good. They kept taking you back to to uh, like a place of loneliness almost, and with Omega's character developing so much through these past two seasons, the first episode really did um, did a wonder on her uh, character development. We see her get a new hairstyle, we see her <laughs> act differently. She's she changes quite. Quite well, especially the first time she walks past Crosshair as he comes out of one of the labs, and um, you know he, uh, she like tries to, to talk to him, try to get interaction, and he's silent. And then the second time that happens, she's got completely different, uh, almost personality change. But um, being in the labs, she's she's like conforming to the mundane scientist type of uh, personality vibe, which is I think really cool. Yeah, I think I think it's quite interesting how they're not trying to, you know, make her feel like a prisoner. You know, they're almost mm. trying to. I mean, they throw crosshair behind bars and they keep yeah. her like roaming around. Um, yeah. And also thought, yeah, is a, it was the perfect title for the episode, Confined, obviously, like, because, you know, you start feeling confined, you know, with Omega, like, how do you, yeah, you, you know, do. how do you get out? And crosshair is actually confined fully. But, um, but yeah, so incredible. And I thought it was also brilliant how they minimized the dialogue. So a yeah. lot of the a lot of the feelings and emotions that you got out of the episode were not so much spoken as they were just like seen. The one critic that I had from episode one, if I had to say anything, was if Omega was so important, which we know that she is, in the first two seasons and they're trying to get her, like it just boggles my mind why they wouldn't triple check that her blood samples were actually getting tested. Exactly. <laughs> I also thought something along those lines. I, they finally have Omega and they're just letting her walk around the lab. They're not, there's no security protocol. There's no guards watching her 24 seven. She's a slippery character. She was with um, Clone Force 99, one of the hardest clone forces to track down. And now she's in the lab with Emery, her almost sister, if you could call her that. Um, and nobody is watching her. Nobody is making sure she's in the same place. I, I, yeah, yeah. They're giving her chicken nuggets. <laughs> chicken nuggets. She's got a pet dog. It's. I mean, she's living her best life on Tantus. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that was. So, so that was just the one you know thing that occurred to me. But obviously, we're gonna let it slide for the story because, I mean, mm -hmm. other than that, it's absolutely perfect in in every it's single a way. Of an episode. Um. So the one thing. I mean, the one question that I did have was. So the blood, you know, vials that were in that in that one machine. I don't know. I don't actually know what you call that machine. Is that actually a real machine that we get on Earth? Uh, it's probably some sort of blood chemical mixture, or, or 
blood mixer. <laughs> but I would just call it like a, a blood concrete machine, you know, it just goes around and around. Or blood clock. A I blood think that's clock. one of the, the emphasis that they put on that was like ticking off time, you know. Even the rotation was, yeah. was was clockwise. It was it looked like like one of the blood samples was almost a hand of a clock and yeah. every time it moved we switched to a different scene and then time passes. Then we return back to the blood, it changes. It was quite quite clever the way they did that, but you know, I I don't know if we have one of those machines <laughs> in hospitals. We'll have to check. But um, are they injecting Palpatine's blood into the samples? I would think so. I would think so. It's definitely some sort of red bodily fluid. I would imagine. <laughs> um, I, the only person I can think it would come from is Palpatine. Obviously, we'll talk about that when we get touch on what happens in Episode Three, but um. I think I think it would be Palpatine's blood because from what we know is that Snoke has to appear at some point in the Star Wars line. And we know that um, from the Star Wars movies that Palpatine is looking for uh, a cloning alternative to cheat death. So one would imagine that that blood was Palpatine's. I think that this season is set to do, you know, wonders for the sequel trilogy. Mm. Um, mm. You know, off the bat, I was just like, wow, this is doing so much for, for Star Wars Episode Nine, and just the sequel, you know, as a whole. And I'm actually hoping throughout all the series that we get from Star Wars that they start to color in the picture a bit more, just like the Clone Wars did for the prequels. Yes. Yes. Hopefully, you know, all these series now, Ahsoka, The Mandalorian, yeah. um, and now The Bad Batch, hopefully they add... A whole new perspective to everything that happens in those movies which i think is the main priority of any series at the moment in star wars is to supplement yeah. the movies almost to make it like a mm. you know a deeper experience to add on to the story in a, you, yeah. in a very creative way so i'm very excited for that um but yeah if we're moving on to episode two episode two was uh not as great, I would say, but a, I mean, a completely different kind of episode. Yes. yes. Uh, it was a, it was a hard left from the, um, the lab scenes and the more like subtle, um, detailed scenes. And we were back into, to the action scenes from season one and two, seeing what the bad batch can really do again, reminding us of how, yeah. how powerful they are and, uh, realizing what is going on on Tantus. Incredible disaster though <laughs> mm, i think it was a it was uh also like what you said a, a hard left from star wars but i think it was a good filler episode yeah um, definitely better than what we've seen in previous uh, seasons of the bad batch and clone wars where we sometimes will get a random character that we know nothing about and all of a sudden has some main focus um whereas here we at least see two of our favorites we see hunter and Rekha going off on some mission um and uh, we get some new side characters that come in obviously not the focus but a good a good filler it was it had it had a pro it brought something at least to the season um even though it didn't give us maybe the detail that we were hoping for <laughs> but um, i think it was a good filler it was still entertaining to watch yeah it was actually it was actually very gripping with like you know the end scenes with the you know the mm. swamp monster that was actually yeah. pretty pretty hectic like yeah, the i don't know if i would let like really young kids watch the show <laughs> you know yeah, i'm also starting to hectic. just yeah i'm starting to like hold back on um you know maybe this is no longer a kids show because we see some scary stuff happening i mean cloning is no joke uh, humanity has tried to clone sheep before and i don't know how well that went <laughs> but uh, here we're moving on to human genetics and dna and changing and then 
Oh, Palpatine says some really scary stuff um, in the season, which we'll get to in a short few minutes. Yeah. But um, it's it's quite a hair-raising uh, uh, show. It's very good, though. Yeah, it's amazing. This is what it's been building up to. Um, I yeah. loved I loved in episode two, though. Like, I love the whole dynamic of, um, you know, the Empire, like, experimenting mm. with genetics and trying to create these crazy things. And they got, like, yes. the, I forgot what they called, the slither vines. What were they? Yeah, that was a slither vine, I believe. Yeah, so they're getting like the slither vines and who knows what yeah. else. So just <gasps> but Ryan, sorry to interrupt, but did it not look like the Sarlacc monster? It did. Well, maybe it was a I Sarlacc guess. mixed with a tree. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> Palpatine tripping, bro. <laughs> he's just chilling on his iPad and his couch, and he's just like dragging <laughs> elements, you know, like he's playing Minecraft or something, and he's just crazy. A little this. alchemy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, some crazy stuff. <laughs> So uh, I really, I really like to see that because I mean, it would be interesting from season two when they had the Zillow Beast. Mm. I wonder if if that came from that lab as well because mm. like it seems like they've been doing some crazy stuff there. Um, yeah. And it's also cool to see like you know why they have to confine all their labs now to the mountains because yes. they've literally destroyed the planet. Otherwise, they they've exactly. made it uninhabitable. So we didn't actually touch about the ship crashing in the first episode. And then they just like, no, yeah. forget about them. They're as good as gone. <laughs> and yeah. that was hectic. And I, at that point, I was like, is it just because of those other like dog things? <laughs> yeah, I also thought, what was the point of inserting the ship crash if we're not focusing on the survivors or the survivability of the planet? I mean, we know that there's uh, those poor guys did not make it uh, from the recordings that we hear um, when Emery is standing next to Hemlock, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, it was... It was ominous, so it, it sort of like put a pin into the story, and then you don't actually know if you're ever going to return to that, but my thoughts on episode one and two linking with the, the plane crash and the, the, the disaster with the Slivine is that the show is quite Jurassic Parky. It's quite horrifying at some point. That is true. It's very ominous. It's very um, sort of mysterious in the sense that somebody's experimenting with DNA. We're getting scary creatures, the Zillow Beast, obviously from season two was quite a an awesome return to the star wars screen um but we're seeing episode. some new character not character we're seeing new creature developments creature interaction the the empire is doing some scary stuff creature combinations mm -hmm. <laughs> i just want them to make a t-rex but anyway <laughs> bro have you read the book um truce at Bakura? no what's it about there's dinosaurs in that book and that's a story. I need to read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, I read it so long ago, but I just remember there was something with dinosaurs with lasers on I'm going to add it to my list. Something. You're going to add it for oh, I'll my buy goodness, it for la you. <laughs> lasers, Star Wars and dinosaurs. That's my dream project. <laughs> Star Wars cross Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> and then in my notes here, I wrote, is this the first dap that we've seen in Star Wars? At the end of the episode, it's Hunter and one of the kids. And yeah. they actually dap. <laughs> they actually do. They You're do. right. And I saw that and I was like, this is so 2024. Yeah, <laughs> I like, thought it was like some sort of street handshake, you know, like yeah. a sign of respect for the youth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> That is so, so cool. I thought I thought that was cool. Uh, it wasn't That's a very awesome. loud dap, so it wasn't that impressive. But uh, it was a dap nonetheless. So go Hunter. Yeah, I, think it, I think we can count it as a dap. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just last thing about, you know, episode two, I don't think there's there's too much else to say about it, but um, mm. 
so the other you know young clones that were actually on on the planet i was actually yeah like quite confused at what they were doing yes like they were escaping from the labs but for what because it didn't look like all the clones they were going through bad times does that make sense yeah so i know that one of them i think the oldest one's name is mox i can't remember what the younger two's names were but um I know they said that they were escaping. They, they knew that the Empire had come to the base and they were escaping. They had escaped at some point. Maybe our, view, our listeners can point out some other details we've missed, but they were escaping from the Empire. For some reason, the, the Empire was abandoning the base, I mean, probably because of the sliver vines. Maybe we've missed something, but um, something had gone haywire and they were about to bombard the base and then these clones took the opportunity to escape so they're running from something at some point one of them says they're surviving um they're just trying to survive on the planet so i think they've been i think they've been left behind they've been abandoned it's like it's like the lost boys in peter pan mm-hmm. pretty much and they're young too <laughs> they're pretty young yeah i don't i don't know but how they're, they're pretty surviving. skilled and talented <laughs> yeah well, they Django, so they they gotta be <laughs> exactly. I mean, they flew the Marauder with what looked like ease. I mean, yeah, wow. The math skills. Camino has some great academies, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love some backstory as to how Omega and um, I forget her name. Is it Emery or Esmery? Emery. Is Emery. It, is it Emery. Okay. Yeah. And and how Emery are actually pure clones of Django because they say they're pure but they they female so i'm like exactly so what and is Nina actually Django was here? male <laughs> and we know that omega's m count which is obviously midichlorian count which is i was actually yes. very you know pleased to to hear them bring that up to like connect to the prequels because obviously exactly. this is more connected to the prequel era than um original trilogy um yeah, but exactly i would what, love what i would Mike love some yeah exactly so so i would love to hear some some backstory as to how their creation came into being exactly yeah along with the redemption of emery i would also like to see some sort of backstory because it is we don't even know how omega came to be how she was um well we know she was probably grown in a test tube which is quite sad but (laughs) (laughs) we don't know like what um nala says uh you know um, motivation was to create a female clone. We don't know what the the storyline would be. Why would they need to create a female clone um, if they just wanted to make copies of Django? I mean, um, I think a female clone is incredible to see. I mean, it's probably something that many fans have been waiting for for years, and we finally see it in Bad Batch season one. But um, I I don't know why they went, um, why the Kaminoans went in that direction. Yeah, what um. So what I'm actually hoping to see is because it also doesn't make sense. Like, why would her M count be high if mm. she's a clone of Django, um, who was just a bounty hunter? I mean, I, yeah. I know his midichlorian count could be high, but um, yeah. yeah, what I would love to see is there was like some kind of experimentation with a Jedi cross Django. Because from what I yes. gather, Django is the, the perfect clone genetic. And that's mm, why they perfect. use him. Yeah for some reason it wasn't just because of his like skill he had like the perfect clone genetic structure is that correct i think so i believe so um i i know at some point um there was a rumor running around that the criminals were actually trying to create an army of force sensitive beings so perhaps that's why they chose jangos because he was the most possible most um or the best source at the time of, of the dna count 
or DNA structure, like you said. Um, and they were trying to experiment with, with M counting and metachlorians and stuff like that. Um, maybe that's why they went to a female type clone. Maybe that was a closer match to a high metachlorian count. So maybe Emery has also got magic blood. Ryan, let me throw a spanner in the works real quick. We know that Ray is a Palpatine. She's Ray Palpatine. I'm not going to say that she's Ray Skywalker just yet, but she's Ray Palpatine. <laughs> but she had a father, and that father is supposedly the son of Emperor Palpatine. But we know that Emperor Palpatine doesn't have a love interest, and we don't know where the son came from. So maybe that son is a clone of Palpatine that was not worthy to become uh, one of Palpatine, like to transmit Palpatine's, I don't know, spirit, soul, or whatever, into the new body. And they let that clone grow up, and he wasn't force-sensitive voice, M count wasn't high enough or whatever. And then that clone was made from maybe Omega's DNA, and then that clone became Palpatine's son and then had a daughter, and that daughter is Rey. Wow. Yeah, so maybe Omega and Rey are linked at some point. That would be that would be incredible. It's mm -hmm. either going to be Omega or Grogu. <laughs> and one, oh, Grogu. And one hey, of, maybe, maybe Ray is Grogu and Omega's kid. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> uh, she just doesn't know it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that would actually, I mean, that would actually be cool because I think, I think what a lot of fans are actually craving is a lot of co coherent storylines coming in. Yes in in the sequel trilogy and something like that would be would be epic just to close the loops mm. on all of the open storylines um, yeah i think I there's a lot ray, of gray space that should be colored in exactly yeah so yeah i mean especially the ray storyline with her being such an important character and so much vagueness mm -hmm. around the character i think exactly. if she they came out in the middle of nowhere yeah exactly if they if they start to incorporate her origin story through these kind of series would be would be epic mm. um, i'm i'm all here for it <laughs> same because then she's related to django and she's actually like bubba exactly. fed's niece <laughs> dude no way <laughs> this is gonna be amazing <laughs> star wars is actually a family movie <laughs> yeah, it is a family movie always even if it's clones um, <laughs> and now we're gonna jump into episode three this wow. this episode, episode was Amongst the best Star Wars experiences I've had throughout my Star 100%. Wars career, so to speak, like incredible in every way. Mm -hmm. 100% fully agree there, Ryan. It was, it was quite like awesome. I was, I was sitting on the edge of my seat watching that, you know, expectant of many cool things. And then many cool things happened. <laughs> and oh my goodness, the emperor himself walks onto Mount Tantus and you're sitting there going, Omega, what are you going to do? You're going to ride your dog out of here? What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was really cool to see one of the big boys actually come into the show because mm. I actually was assuming mm. it was going to be Darth Vader, like before mm. it was going to be the Emperor. But yeah. in my mind, having the Emperor on a show is cooler than having Darth Vader on a show. So um, I agree. that was very cool to to have him on the show and uh, see his projects <laughs> that he's working on, which again link up with the Mandalorian, link up with Star Wars sequel trilogy yeah. very cool to yeah. see some some loops closing which i'm very happy about. yeah i definitely think that it was a good move of the directors and producers to put palpatine as the the main villain um sort of in this part of bad batch season three because 
from what I um, have been exposed to throughout my Star Wars career is that Darth Vader is always the the main bad guy, even though he is the apprentice to the master who is Palpatine. It's always Darth Vader who's got the power. Always Darth Vader who's who's the bad guy fighting with lightsabers. I mean, we do see Palpatine fight with lightsabers and be the actual bad guy, but it's few times in compare comparison to Darth Vader's story. So it was awesome seeing the big chief come and uh, you know wield his power around and be so passionate about something that's new to Star Wars. You know, this cloning. Um, I think it's definitely had a shorter lifespan in the Star Wars greater picture than um, other aspects. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really cool. No, it's incredible. I mean, um, exactly like what you're saying, you know, the occurrences of, of Palpatine scenes are far fewer than Darth Vader scenes. So mm-hmm. in my mind, they're more, they're more valuable, like for insight as you yes. know, like a hardcore fan to see like, you know, what this guy gets up to. I mean, he must have incredible capacity. You know, he's busy with so he many must. projects at the same time. Exactly. And actually, can I point out something about the way that they portrayed Palpatine is that he's actually quite frail and weak in the show. I mean, we know from from his encounter with Anakin as Anakin Tosa Darth Vader that, um, you know, Palpatine, is, he, he starts losing his strength right there when, when he's like shot with return lightning from the characters that fight him. Um, and uh, and so on, but we we see in this show specifically that he's quite a quite a shriveled old man, you know. He's leaning over in his robe and he's like speaking like this, and he's losing his ability to to hang on to strength. Even being so powerful and carrying such a, a weight with him as he walked around, he still looks really weak. Yeah, that's exactly what so, I was yeah. about to bring up. Is oh his, wow, his robes look like towels. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that outfit, that Tantus outfit he had that day on the on the checkup was yes. not flattering to him at all. Bro. He was not looking like he was looking unhealthy. Who knows? Maybe he, he was, was recovering from something. You never hey, know. Maybe he had COVID. Yeah, maybe, maybe he had something. <laughs> um, but I mean that's crazy. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> wow. The Sorry, animators man, I did stole him. your thunder. The animators did him dirty, bro. <laughs> they did. Okay, but I think I think it's it's all for a point. We know that the Star Wars um, guys are very intentional about what they put on screen and what they don't put on screen. Mm. So us seeing him in his his frail, weak state is is probably a hint at uh, what's to come in the last uh, what's it twelve remaining episodes of the season. We we could definitely, as you say, see the shift to the um, the sequel era of Palpatine looking for a replacement for himself, body wise, uh, physically. Uh, we know that uh, he will always remain. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I mean exactly what you know what you say. The visual cues are there on purpose, so you know maybe the animators are trying to show us like this guy needs a new vehicle. <laughs> like, he needs a sandwich. <laughs> he, he needs a sandwich, and he does pick up weight by episode six. Yeah. So in the next twenty something years after Bad Batch, he listens to his dietitian. He starts. <laughs> He starts eating the boiled eggs. He's going you know, for he it. He starts having that old brand for breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think the old brand will help, but <laughs> um, and then uh, and then he gets thrown. Hey, <laughs> yeah, then he gets thrown down the tube. So it was all Shame for nothing. That. Yeah, and then he only had Snokes. Hey, but Snokes, he still Snokes. makes it after that. That is that is true. Spoilers, yeah. Josh. Spoilers. <laughs> Dang it. Sorry. No, if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast. For those podcast, of you that haven't watched the movies. <laughs> literally, if you if you are listening to a Star Wars podcast and you haven't watched every Star Wars movie, then uh 
props to you that's that's incredible then <laughs> good job good job you're learning and we're here for it <laughs> Um, yeah, just running through some of my other notes, I thought that the intensity of episode three and the first episode as well was just bang on point. Um, the Tantus theme music as well was bang on point. Uh, I loved, I don't know what it was. I think it was just like piano keys, like playing in the same pattern yeah, over and over yeah. again. Um, I love that. Uh, and, and also the battle scene, I thought it was like typical Omega, how like they just outsmart the opponents, you know, stormtroopers sometimes mm. annoy me because I'm like, you guys oh, are like outnumbering your opponents, like a million to one. And you always are just so dumb. <laughs> like you can't flip and hit your target. <laughs> you can't hit your target. You like <laughs> leave everyone outside the ship that they just anyway. Yeah. But I mean, at least the good guys are taking advantage of that. Um, and you're just. Yeah. exploring the jungle a little bit more in um in episode three mm. after she escapes and then also seeing batcher the the dog hound mm -hmm. thing I, I don't actually recall what the species are called i think she's a not a lichen hound but something like that something sort of reminds me of those hounds that were hunting ahsoka on coruscant when she had left the jedi order and um we see sergeant hound walking with his hound Reminds me of those big bad boys. That is true. Also from Solo. Mmm. Um, exactly. Those yeah. uh, and probably just the highlight from episode three was um, Project um, Necromancer coming to light. Because I know 100%. that that was... Yeah, that was... Uh, you know, discussed in The Mandalorian. I don't actually know which season, but it was exactly. with, you know, Moff Gideon as well. So that was also a really cool moment. Yeah, with, I like, think it was season three, hey? Yeah, I think I think it was. I think it was in that cave that Moff Gideon is chilling with his super yeah, powerful. Yeah, I think it was actually super. at the same point that they mention um, the return of uh, Grand Admiral Thorn. We get that, and then we also get Project Necromancer, which we were left in the dark for. We had no idea what that was, and now all of a sudden we get some light shed on that. And I love that because I feel like it's been a while in Star Wars that something like that has happened. You know, correct me 100%. if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the of the you know the mystery of specific aspects of the storyline it's very straightforward yeah. now in the new movies and the new series but now especially yeah. like you know something like that with them setting us up for something that we didn't even know like that's a exactly. very like george lucas thing you know to yeah do. yeah and i love to see yeah. them take that up for themselves yeah i agree i think it's something that they I think Star Wars in general sometimes will present something that could actually be a long mystery that we should have been kept in the dark with, but they end up dealing with it so quickly that it's actually not enjoyable. So the the example that I think of off the top of my head is the that um, dagger that that Ray and company find in um, I think it's Rise of Skywalker actually the last movie or the second last movie um where they they find this dagger and it's like leading them to some faraway place and then they find a part of the death star that's fallen down but it's not actually a mystery that was enjoyable like that that should have been for me i personally think a drawn out um arc maybe or a drawn out story yeah whereas um here when they mention project necromancer we have to wait a heck of a long time for something to even come to light of what that could even be and now we get a little bit of story in the first three episodes um and we're still in the dark i think it's awesome i'm waiting in anticipation with excitement so what was also interesting to me is in the cloning chambers that they um you know they had for project necromancer um yeah obviously protected by darth maul's 
laser gates <laughs> that they brought yes. back. Yes, <laughs> laser gates. Are the most They're weird shielded. sequence things ever. I don't know why you would just not have like all of them activate or deactivate well, at the same time. It seems like time. a very good way to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so the flooring of of the cloning chamber actually looked like the world between worlds patterns that mm. we see in Ahsoka, oh we see goodness. in you know Rebels as well. So mm -hmm. I saw that and I was like, I don't know how this is actually connected though. And I don't know if it is mm. because it, it felt weird for all these like, you know, really polished labs. And then all of a sudden yeah. we get this highly detailed flooring that we've only seen really from the world between worlds in the Jedi temples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it would be really cool if something is connected to that. And it actually makes sense when you start thinking about in, um, you know, Rebels like season three. Yeah. When Palpatine is going in between the world of worlds, maybe it's something yeah. to do with like the labs there i'm not sure yeah i think it was it's actually a really awesome thing that you point that out Ron, because i looked at that um and i didn't notice the patterns at first but i noticed the extreme change of uh, color that's used in the scene obviously red and blue are total opposites and when you mix them together you get purple but um we we know from camino that the clones and the cloning facilities are quite blue. Everything is blue focused. We've got blue back to tanks. We've got, um, uh, you know, blue scenery, blue walls. We've got, it's very white, blue and light, you know, very Republic um, looking colors. And then as soon as they pass through those ray shielded, you know, laser gates, we get into this necromancer chamber and it's just red. It's charcoal, it's darkness, it's shrouded in, um, you know, Sith. It just gives like a Sith feeling, a Sith error. Um, but as soon as they unlock one of those pods and they look inside, you see like a blue light shining out. So it's almost as if, you know, the shadow has overgrown and overtaken the blue once again, you know, wow. rise of the empire. Wow. That is, that is a great observation. The empire has <laughs> taken over the Republic yeah, and uh, eaten itself from the inside, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And the opposite of what they were trying to go for emerged. Yep. So exactly. that is... That is an epic observation. Um, another thing is just, um, you know, Nala say, I mm. thought it's very cool how like the Camino ones are actually still involved in this process, you know, cause yeah. obviously like us growing up and, and, and you watch episode two, you're like, okay, you know, cloning is like the Camino ones bag, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, to still see that they have the proficiency, so to speak with, um, Cloning is, is a very cool thing. But I don't actually know yeah. if Nala Say was involved with Project Necromancer directly or was she just involved with testing for it, like without really knowing what it's going to be for. But she must have known because yeah. she warns Omega though. Yeah, I think she has some sort of um, idea of what Project Necromancer is to become, but I don't think she knows, she understands the depth of it maybe or um, not yet, let's say. Uh, I also think she's actually one of the last remaining Kaminoans because um, obviously the, we don't see the the minister, I think, of Camino, of Camino um, I believe he was killed in one of the previous seasons um, of Bad Batch. But, um, you know, when Camino was bombed itself, the Kaminoans don't really survive. But Nalase is one of the last surviving Kaminoans, if I'm not mistaken. So. The fact that she knows something about necromancer is quite a. I think that's a that's an arc that could be explored. Maybe not um, not as in too mu not in too much detail, but uh, maybe in her downfall. Maybe, she, maybe she's one of the characters that they kill off this season. Who knows? 
I I doubt after what happens in episode three with Omega escaping that she mm. has very long left in the labs. Uh, mm-hmm. If we know how, I mean, but maybe her, you know, her skills will, you know, help her stay around. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, we yeah. will have to see. Um, talking about the escape as well, another thing I just wanted to mention was I thought it was epic that the Bad Batch squad, and at the moment I actually think that that's only Echo and Hunter. Oh no, it's Echo, Hunter, Rekka. and yeah. Rekka. Um, yeah. You know, is it, it was actually Omega and Crosshair that escaped like themselves yeah like they didn't yeah. actually have like you know themselves broken out by the bad batch yeah so you're, right, you're right so i thought that it was it was also cool because i was actually assuming the whole time you know obviously hunt and them were going to break in and save mm. them but uh it was cool to see like and also the um intensity of like they had like a time a time limit to actually get exactly, this done yeah um and they chose the worst day to do it on like what process <laughs> Yeah, one of the the one of the last things that I have to mention is that um, one of the clone troopers that we see as a clone commando, um, I believe his name is Scorch. He's from the clone commando unit that they released a game on quite a number of years back um, of Delta Squad, and Delta Squad was Scorch and Boss and Sev, and there was a fourth member, I can't remember his name, but Scorch was apparently the comic relief in that. And in this season of Bad Batch, and actually in season two as well, we see him walk closely alongside Dr. Hemlock, and he's probably uh, like the, the bodyguard of Hemlock, um, so to speak, or maybe the second in command, you know, the, the captain in charge, the general, or whatever. But he is not com- comic relieving at all. <laughs> that brother has like a face straighter than his T-visor on his arm. He <laughs> says not a word, except for when he's giving orders to other troopers. And I, I'm sort of excited to see if anything happens with him because I rewinded a few a few points in episode three and they actually keep him near to the center of the screen, the, the filmmakers. And they, I wonder if Wolf at some point comes back and... Um, says something and maybe Scorch helps out or something happens with Scorch that that you know could change could change the future of some clone commanders but that's just my hopes and dreams that would be epic um that would be awesome I'm a sucker for clones <laughs> I'm actually ex- I'm expecting so much like from this season just with regards mm. to when you start thinking about the cloning efforts of the empire and they actually mm. only perfect the cloning art for Palpatine in episode nine. And now if we're thinking yeah. about that timeline, I mean, that's like 25 years, probably. I don't, I don't know yeah. how long. No, no, no. It's got to be way longer than that. It's 25 it years. So like episode actually, six yeah. and then probably another 20 years. after. It's, it's nearly probably 50 years after the Bad Batch mm-hmm. that they actually perfect the art. So this brother's going to need a lot of sandwiches. He's going <laughs> to. He's got to eat a lot of sandwiches, but it's it's quite strange because it feels like at this point in time already they they have the answer. Like you actually assuming mm. that okay they've got Omega's blood sample, it's done now. Like they can do it, but um, I'm actually ex- I'm expecting this season, and this is just what I'm I'm kind of predicting is that mm. is that the Bad Batch actually goes back there and and destroys like most of the Tantus facilities. Yeah, because they start like another 25 years yeah so i mean that's the only thing that kind point. of makes sense to me if they're so close to it now there has to be something yeah. drastic that happens that like sets them back yeah 
One of the the scariest lines, I think, from episode three specifically was when Palpatine is talking to Hemlock and Scorch is standing next to him. And he says, um, some might even call it an abomination, but I see it as the future of the Empire or something along those lines. It, it was quite scary and ominous. Um, you know, Palpatine is, is thinking about the future, obviously, and he's got this massive plan. Um, and no one else knows what's what's cracking, probably except Doctor Hemlock and maybe a few others. But like he says, some might even call it abomination. So even he thinks it's a little scary what they're doing. Yeah, you know. And he's he's giving homage to um, the weariness of other people and their maybe opinions of it. I know, like his Imperial Council was skeptical of Project Necromancer. Um, we see that with Moff Gideon and his um, his cronies <laughs> when they're talking in season three, but. You know, even even the Empress thinks that it's kind of sketchy. So I can just imagine the fury that will be unleashed if the Bad Batch returns and destroys the base and uh, sets all that usage back in a number of years. Yeah, Pulps would be... He'd be mad. So yeah, but with Palpatine as well now, um, I mean, the one thing that I was curious about just to wrap up the, you know, you know, the discussion on Project Necromancer was, you know, what was he actually looking at? Like when they were in in the mm. chamber because like this bright light comes like from the front and you can see his chin and his mouth yeah. and whatever and then um it doesn't actually show you what they're looking at so that would be very interesting yeah because he can't be i mean it he does. wouldn't be smiling if he saw snoke you know yeah because <laughs> exactly. that wasn't looking too hot <laughs> snoke is not a good looking guy <laughs> no. so it would be it would actually, be very interesting yeah yeah actually what i think um, this scene really reminded me of was let's go back to Jurassic Park was the scene in Jurassic Park 3 when um, the the characters the main characters are walking through the um, the entrance to the aviary um, before the Spinosaurus attacks and everything and they're going through these sort of hibernation pods where the baby raptors are in and some of them are filled with like fluid and water and they get to one of them that's got a raptor's head in and it looks kind of funky and then the raptor's eye twitches and they realize oh flip it's a real raptor and the thing jumps out i was expecting something to parallel that in this star wars scene with palpatine looking at the, abom um, the abomination so call it um and i was expecting us to be like be shocked as to what was inside but obviously one could expect that they won't show us to keep us on the edge of our seat to sit through another 12 episodes <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's why it would be great if they actually broke back into the facilities and mm. and if the bad batch actually saw it, you know, for themselves, exactly. perhaps we'd find out what what actually he was looking at. Exactly. Um, and and that would also create a lot more purpose behind the whole hunt for Grogu. Yeah. If if they yeah. can actually destroy Omega's samples. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem that Omega is force sensitive. No. Um, perhaps they need an actual. Um, what's it called like a host that is force sensitive already because i'd say then if, if you if they were transferring palpatine's maybe thoughts memories and whatever to another body then obviously metachlorians are, are a physical entity in star wars then perhaps the host would need to be force sensitive already that is true that is true so i mean i mean either way it'll be cool to see because if they if they mm -hmm. um you know, if they see that they actually need like a a Jedi of some sort. That'd be very cool. But then they yeah. could have just taken Darth Vader. Um, but we will see and we will have all of our answers answered, hopefully, <laughs> in, in, season, in season three. 
Um, yeah, my final point just before we begin to wrap up was I really enjoyed that like all three episodes of the premiere were all on the same planet. Uh, it sometimes like for yes. me gets a bit distracting when they jump in planets and it's just like the next big adventure kind of thing. But this was all like confined <laughs> and um, yeah. you know, just to Tantus and wait, everything was happening. Wait, was, was episode two also on Tantus? That was on Tantus, yeah. Wow, I thought it might have been a different epi- uh, different um, place because you know Hunter and Rick are looking for for Omega and they end up going to a base. I, I can't remember if they ever mentioned if it was on Tantus. Well, I guess they did. Um, but wow, that's pretty cool because th- that means they're actually really nearby to Omega. They just don't know it. Exactly, exactly. No, wow. that was definitely Tantus because they said that that was the old lab. Um, and oh, that's, I see. And- I'm with you. Um, just remind me, I'm yeah. actually blanking out on such a key factor now. Um, you know, the Bad Batch yeah. is back all together now, right? Well, sort of. Um, they're not really because, you know, Hunt, uh, Hunter and Rekka are, you know, uh, uh, winging it across the galaxy and they've just dropped off the three little clones. But on the other hand, um, Crosshair and Omega have escaped in the Emperor's shuttle with, with Batcher. And um, they've flee. They've I, I don't know what the the past tense of flee is, but they've fled. Oh, fled! <laughs> <laughs> they've fled the atmosphere. Well, hard blank for me. But anyway, they fled the atmosphere, and they haven't like rejoined with Hunter and Rekka yet. So maybe maybe they will now. They've got a communications relay set up with the the newly acquired ship. So perhaps they'll join forces soon. But I, they're not together at the moment. No. Yes, yes, that and is Echo is still MIA with Rex gallivanting across space and time, and Tech is also still MIA. Oh, um, I, I really I, hope that boy returns. Yeah, no, that a good be, man. Um, and also just with the whole you know Tantus escape scene, I thought it was actually brilliant how you know they justified you know knowing where to go because mm. after they escaped and then Crosshair asks Omega, um, in which direction, and then Omega doesn't know. But then they just yeah. decide to follow the shuttle path of the Emperor leaving. Yeah. And that would lead them obviously to like where all the shuttles are are flying yeah. over. So I thought I thought that was just oh, a cool yeah. little detail that they had. Um, yeah, you're right. But yes, incredible stuff. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And we're gonna give our final thoughts now. Um I could not be happier with the start of season three, and I'm ecstatic to see what comes next and uh i'm so happy that we get about 10 to 11 you know weeks of the show oh ryan i completely agree one of the best starts to one of the last pieces of epic star wars for the time being i think it was a really great way to to open the season i'm glad that we've seen some of our favorite characters i'm glad that we haven't seen any of the characters um promised by the trailer although we'll touch on those in later episodes but um, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. It's going to be incredibly interesting to see how Ventress, you know, fits into the picture. Because mm, after Ventress what we've Wolf. seen, wow. <laughs> exactly. Because after what we've seen now, it seems actually kind of like a far left to incorporate yeah. them into the story at this point in time. Because there's so yeah, many I big don't players see where they would fit in. <laughs> exactly. Unless they're trying to get Ventress for her blood. Uh, mm, I maybe. I don't know. We shall see. But um, this leaves me very optimistic for The Acolyte as well, streaming later this year. And coming off Ahsoka, 
I feel like Star Wars is on quite a hot run at the moment. Um, Me too. I hope it doesn't fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, guys. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're, on, if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to send us some voicemail for our next episode. Send us your thoughts that we can discuss some of your questions as well. There's also a poll, um, you know, asking you what did you enjoy about the latest episodes. And uh, thank you, Josh, for joining me. We will see you guys next week for episode four. And uh, episode four is called a different approach so uh that sounds pretty intense as well no that doesn't sound intense that just sounds exciting <laughs> it does indeed thank you so much ryan for having me thank you to everyone listening i hope that you enjoy this content and uh, we are looking forward to hearing some of your feedback awesome thank you guys